uh, it's thick this morning. It's good stuff. We are concluding our series on unplugged, um, but before I start talking about that, I am really excited about um, this upcoming engage group series that we've got going on uh, after God's own heart. It's about passion. It's about cultivating a passion for God in your life. Are you passionate about God? Are you passionate about the things of God? Have you got a glimpse of God's heart? What is God like? If you understood what God's like, you're going to have passion for having him in your life. Uh, God is just so good. Um, this morning's message is entitled Withdraw. Withdraw. And so uh, we're going to get right into it, but we, sometimes we need to withdraw from the world so that we can better see God. Amen? Amen. Slide, uh, it says this. This is the scripture that we've kind of been going off of. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by your, the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is, the, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We talked about not being conformed to this world through technology and all of the things surrounding us, through social media and through every avenue in which the world pursues, by the way. The alien came down. I never tell jokes. <laughs> I say things that are funny once in a while. You guys laugh. But I never tell jokes. Here's a joke. Alien came down. He sent from his people, right? And uh, they said, so he, he came down, was here, blah, blah, do this thing. Went back, and he's reporting back, and he says, yes, yeah, so... I wasn't able to bring back a human with me. I wasn't actually able to bring back one of the beings, but I did bring back a couple of their gods. And so he presents to his superior a cell phone and a television. And he's like, these are their gods? And he's like, yes. They walk around all the time looking at this. They can't drive their car without it. They're constantly putting it up to their ear. I don't know why. I mean, I think they're almost going to taste it sometimes. They can't detach from it. When they sit together, they are all on them. They tap the screen repeatedly. It must be some kind of a worship thing. You know, I don't know, but they're all, it's always in front of them. It's always on. It never leaves their side. It might as well be attached. And then they have this other thing, it's called a TV, and they sit down every night for six to seven to eight hours and watch this thing. And they, they bow down before it. They spend all this time watching television. Amen. Right. No idols in our life, amen? <laughs> Nobody laughed at that joke. <laughs> Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And remember, we said that the world is constantly trying to conform us. This scripture was written over 2,000 years ago, and today we still suffer the same thing. The world is still trying to conform us to its likeness, to its image, to its pattern. It's just using new, new ways, the new phone, the, the this, the that, the whatever. Yeah. It's a new way, it's a new system, it's a new technology to do the same old thing, to try and conform you to the image of this world. But rather, we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. <coughs> and we looked and, uh, two weeks ago, and we saw that God wants to transform us. God wants to create us and, and shape us and mold us. He wants to tell us who we are. Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know your identity in Christ? We may touch on that more. Here's the first scripture I want to share with you regarding uh, withdraw. 
It says, so he himself, Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And so this is his regular habit. This is in Luke 5. Luke has 22 or 24 chapters. This is at the beginning of the book. This is at the beginning of the story. This is probably like year one, right? Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. This is year one. And, and they're writing down, he often withdrew into the wilderness to pray. It was his regular habit. He did it all the time. He did it all the time. He was always doing it. He was always withdrawing. He was always pulling away from the crowd. He was always pulling away from the people. He was always pulling away from the world to go into the wilderness, to go into his secret place, to go to where he connected with God best and pray. And he prayed with God. And he prayed with God. Jesus, Jesus, God himself, fully God, fully man, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. <coughs> and we think we're going to make it through, through our day without praying. Is five minutes going to be enough today? No way. Listen, I want to, I want to move beyond the idea that I have to pray. And I want to begin to move into the idea that I get to pray. I want to move beyond the idea that this is a this is this is you know a responsibility of a Christian is to spend time in prayer. All right, and, you, and, and and it's and it's burdensome. No, we need to come to a place where man, this charges me up. Are you charged up about prayer? If your phone rang right now, you wouldn't answer. In church. Your phone's not going to ring because we all silence them, right? If your phone rang and you got a call and it was the most famous person in the world, I don't even know who that is. I'm not into a lot of that stuff. Whoever. Um, I, I can't remember their names. Their names are not coming to me. The most famous person in the world, Jesus is in heaven, Jesus is in my heart. Jesus, the most famous person in the world calls and says, Listen, I need to meet with you tomorrow. Would you, would you call in sick? Would you, would you clear your schedule? Would you meet with this most famous person, the person that, the person that you want to meet the most? Maybe it's the president. Maybe it's some celebrity. Maybe it's some, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, really you guys call that never. Um, he calls and he wants to meet with you. There is someone greater who wants to meet with us. There is someone far greater who wants to meet with us? Jesus said to the Pharisees, they said, they were talking about the, the Moses and the law of Moses, and Jesus said to them, someone far greater than Moses is standing here before you. Come on. He wants to meet with you. There's an invitation to enter into this place, this secret place to pray with God. But because he's always available, because he's always available, if it was only five minutes a day that Jesus was available, I think our prayer life would be on point. Amen? Yeah. Right? If you only had five minutes a day, there's no way you're missing that five minutes. That's right. But what happens is, I can have it any time I want. I can have it any time I want. So I'm like, nah, I don't need it now. 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 Next thing you know, three days have gone by. No, you needed it every single day. You just didn't know that. You know, this is, this is actually uh, something that we kind of implemented with our kids. 
you know, it, it's always available, and it's really not that special. And so our kids always had access to, like, candy, you know, all throughout the year. It wasn't something that we withheld. It was a special treat, and just only on holidays. And so they always had candy. Our kids don't eat candy. Candy goes bad in our house. Brownies go bad in our house. The cookies get eaten. <laughs> My wife makes amazing cookies. But it, it just became not special to have candy around. And candy would go bad. Candy would get thrown out. Candy. It's good stuff. And it gets thrown out. Because it's just always available. Prayer is always available. And so then we just we stop partaking. It is the most extraordinary thing that you will ever do. To commune with the living God. Listen, I love worship. I love being in church. I love going to, to, to meetings. I, I love being with the people of God. But there's one thing that I love more. One thing. There's one thing that I love more. It's being alone with Jesus in the secret place. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 through 5. And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. We have this trust, we have this hope in Christ, from Christ, through God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves. Not that we can get it done on our own. But our sufficiency comes from Christ. Everything we have, everything we need, it all comes from Christ. Are you getting it from him? Are you getting it from him? If I have $5 in my pocket, which I don't, I keep my wallet uh, out of my pocket while I'm preaching. So it if I have $5 in my pocket, you've got to come to me to get the money. You've actually got to come. There's got to be an exchange. You can't sit off in left field and get the money. You could if it was in my account, but it's not. It's in my pocket. Right? We might be able to digitally do it if it was distance, but it's not. It's in my pocket. You've got to come to me. You've got to get it. There's got to be a physical connection. Are we spending time? Are we getting from God what we need to get? Are we spending that time? How many of you have been reading your word? Right? We've been uh, talking all about reading our word. We need to read our word more. We need to read our word more. Right? Awesome, awesome, awesome. I'm so happy that you guys are all reading your word more. I want to I wanna share something that I read. Um, just blew me away. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Hey, start bringing your Bibles to church because we're going to start reading about them a lot more. Psalm 139. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. It's all about God knowing us. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought far off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You know where I'm going. You know when I go to sleep. You are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You know everything that I'm going to say. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. What jumped out at me was this verse 5. You have hedged me behind and before. I want to explain that verse to you a little bit, but before I do, I want to read it out of Passion Translation because it's really, really good. It's really, really good. It says this. You have hedged me 
Here's what it says in the New King James. You have hedged me behind and before, verse 5, and you laid your hand upon me. Such, and I'm going to read verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Here's what it says in the Passion Translation. It says, you have gone into my future to prepare a way. To prepare the way. God has gone ahead of you into your future to prepare your way. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. I'm so worried about what's going on tomorrow. God's already there. God's already there. He's, he's already there, and he's already preparing the way. He's preparing the people you're going to meet. He's preparing what you're going to say. He's preparing what you're going to do. He's preparing the whole thing. Why are you worrying? He is preparing the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Think about that for a minute. God is right behind you to protect you from everything that's happened in your life. I can't tell you the number of times we, we, you sit and talk with somebody and they're like, well, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. And those things are real. But God protects us from things that have already happened to us. They no longer have any effect on us. Because God is behind us. Can, can anything get through God? No. If God is our hedge, he's hedged me in. Can anything get through God? No. He's taking care of it. To spare me from the harm of my past, with your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. Come on. You have hedged me behind and before, it says. And I always wondered about this, but then I read it in the, in, the, in the Passion Translation, and it was revelation to me. And so then I was like, yes, 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 this is it. And so, you know, co commonly, right, today we think of a hedge, right? Tim, we put in lots of hedges, right? And what are the hedges for? The hedges that we put in today, Arbor Buddy, Tree of Life, you know, we're going to put up this hedge between us and the neighbors so we can't see them, they can't see us. Privacy hedge. It's just screening. It's just so we can't see one another. That's not the hedge we're talking about. This, this, this hedge was not 2000 hedge. 2008, 2000, what year is it? 19. It's not the 2019 hedge. This is 600 BC hedge. Sounds like a cartoon, right? I don't know. 2000 BC hedge. It wasn't 2000. 600. 600 BC hedge. Uh, a shepherd. David was a shepherd. David wrote Psalm 139. David was a shepherd. A shepherd, when he was out and he was shepherding the sheep from place to place, if he could, he would get those sheep to a city in the evening and he would put them in the common pen where there was a wall and a gate. And this is where Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever comes in and out, the sheep know my voice. And the shepherd would stand at the gate and call his sheep from the common pen. And only sheep that are his would come. Right? So this is very common in that day. But if they were way out, if they were way outside the city and they couldn't get back to the city before nightfall, they would, they would camp or they would hunker down in the wilderness. And they would take uh, thorn bushes and whatever else they could find and they would make a fence out of thorn bushes and they would hedge the sheep around with thorn bushes. 
They would hedge them around so that nothing could get in and nothing could get out. It wasn't pretty. It didn't look good. It's not like the outer bodies that we're putting up so nobody can see us. They could probably actually see through this. This was sharp, jagged, and it was intended to keep the wolf out. It was intended to keep the danger out. And this is the hedge that they're talking about. It's for protection. You have hedged me before, and you have hedged me behind. So yeah, it, the Passion Translation, is it accurate? Yeah, it's accurate. God is right there in front of you, and he's preparing the way for you, and he's right there behind you, and he's protecting you from everything that's ever happened to you. Amen. Let me tell you something. Right? We talk about Jesus on the cross. I, I'm, 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 I've got a bit of a rabbit trail going here, but it's good. Trust me. We talk about... Jesus on the cross. Jesus hung on the cross. We look at the cross, the cross, the cross, the cross. We need to go back and we need to remember the serpent in the wilderness, right? There was, there was the, the usual lights are wandering through the wilderness and, and the snake was biting the people. And 70, 76, 78,000 Israelites died because the vipers were biting the people, right? And so they went to Moses and they said, go to God and, and get healing for us. And, and God said, take, take the serpent, lift up. The, the suffering symbol, take the serpent and put it on a stick and hold it up high. Yes. Because they knew that anything that hung upon a tree was cursed. The word says, the Old Testament, the law says, anything, anyone who hangs upon a tree is cursed. Is cursed. It's cursed. What does it mean to be cursed? It means that God is against you. Yes. How many of you use curse words? You want God to be against someone or something? Be very careful. Don't swear. Don't curse. Jesus hung upon the tree. Jesus was cursed for you and for me. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus took every single thing in your life, every sin, every iniquity, every shortcoming, everything that would ever happen to you, and he put it upon that tree, and it hung upon that tree, and it's cursed too. And so your identity is not what happened to you. Your identity is not what you've been through. Your identity is not any of that. Your identity is in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you know who you are as a child of God? Are we walking as if we know who we are being children of God? We can know with mental assent that I'm a child of God and, and my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the gold is his and the silver is his and it's all mine. And we can know the scriptures and we can know that we are Christ's and we can know what it means that we are Christ. But are we walking this out day by day? Are we walking this out day by day? When, when push comes to shove and something happens, do you still have the old tendency to go back to your old ways and, and perform in the old habits? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You may know in your mind, but have you got it down into your heart? If not, ask God. Go to prayer. Ask God. The answer to every single problem of your life is Jesus. Right? We learned this in, in Sunday school when we were kids. I didn't go to Sunday school when I was a kid. Actually, I did, but they really weren't heavy on Jesus where I went because it wasn't here. The answer to every single, the answer to every single 
problem in your life is Jesus. It's always been Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. It'll never stop being Jesus. It's really so simple. It's really so stinking simple. There's one answer. We were taking a we were taking a course, and uh, this wasn't a Bible course online. This was a live course that I was taking, and the the, the presenter asked a question, and I said I answered. I'm like, he's Jesus, and he's like, yes, and Jesus answers every question, but that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> he is the solution. We get the solution from him. Listen, people come to me with problems all the time. I I can help. But I may not have the solution. The best I can do sometimes is pray for you. Because Jesus does have the solution. Alright. Let's keep moving. There we go. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Go into the secret place. When you go into your room, what is this place for you? Right? He says a room. Jesus went up on the mountain. Jesus didn't go into a room. Jesus went up on the mountain. And so, where is this place for you? Do you have a place? I'll talk to you about my place. It's that blue chair. It's not a blue chair anymore. It used to be the blue chair. Actually, okay, I'll be honest with you. I stole that idea from my wife. It was her, her chair. And it was her place. It was her chair. It was her place. And I just said, this is a good idea. I'm taking that. And so I would get up before she got up. <laughs> and I would sit in there before she sat there. And you wonder why the chair's worn out? Because I sat there for an hour, and then she sat there for an hour. And so I would get my time in before she got her time in. It's the only time I could, I put, you know. And so you know my place. Do you have a place? What's your place? You better have a place. See, when the storm comes... You retreat to the place. The righteous run into God and they are safe. Where's your place? Go into your room. Go into your place. What's your place? And shut the door. Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Remove the distractions. Shut down the cell phones. Shut down the iPods. Shut down the, the computer. Shut down. Shut it 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 down. Withdraw. And get alone with God. Mm. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. This is Matthew 6. Shortly after this, Jesus will share the Our Father how to pray. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He'll reward you openly. He'll give you everything you need. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 for a moment. Pray to your Father who is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We come with worship. First thing in prayer. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. At the, at the top of this, it, it doesn't say the Our Father, the, the little heading in my Bible, New King James. It says the model prayer. When you pray, pray like this. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Not pray this specifically, although we can, and it's good. Pray like this. This is a model of how you should pray. First thing is worship. Worship God. First, worship God. Worship God. He's always worthy of worship. 
Job said, Job lost his whole family, everything he had, he lost it all. Worst day ever. The Lord is good. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Job said. He worshiped God. In the midst of his worst day, on his worst day, he worshiped God. Just because Job had a bad day didn't change who God was. Just because we have a bad moment doesn't change who God was. Too often we let a bad day, uh, too often we let a bad moment turn into a bad day because we can't get over the bad moment because we haven't received peace in the secret place and so we let the bad moment chase us down through the whole day. If you had a bank account with a million dollars in it and somebody came and stole a hundred dollars, would you throw the million away? But this is what we do when we have a bad moment and we let our ruin our whole day. Yeah. Yeah. Someone came and stole a hundred dollars and you threw the million away. <coughs> this is the reality of our life. Mm. Don't let a bad moment ruin your day. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. God, we want your kingdom to come on earth. Your will be done. Pray for God's will to be done. Before I even approach the throne, God, your will be done. God, what do you what do you want to do in Troy? God, what do you want to do in my life? God, what do you want to do today? On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I do need to survive. I do need to make it to the end of the week. And I do get hungry from time to time. So if you could help out, that'd be great. <laughs> Forgive us of our sins. Listen, this is not coincidence that Jesus put this in here. This isn't just like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. No, Jesus is, Jesus is with Jesus is. Uh, what does it say? It says, uh, God's foolishness is greater than our wisdom. Right. Mm-hmm. So we will talk about thermodynamics, nuclear. Uh, Extraction and stuff like that. Foolishness to God. And I'll tell you that he wrote this book with wisdom. Jesus is the the beauty behind reading the word. Man, I'm so excited today. The beauty behind reading the word is that the (coughs) author is still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. C.S. Lewis is dead and gone. Many of the authors that we read, they're dead and gone. Jesus is still alive. Yeah. He lives inside your heart. And so as we're reading the word, we're actually discovering more about Jesus. Listen, don't read the word for knowledge. Read the word to get to know Jesus more. Come on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. When I talk about Psalm 139, right? And, it, and he hedges me before and behind. Yes, that's knowledge, but I knew that he hedged me before and behind. But when I discovered what that means, what, what it really revealed to me is how much God loves me. He loves me enough. He loves me so much that he goes before me. He takes care of everything that's going to happen in my future. And he's taking care of everything that's happened to me in the past, and he doesn't want that to harm me anymore. And if I'll trust him, that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Forgive us our sins. And forgive us, forgive those that we have sinned against. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Come on. 
Your Father will reward you openly. He'll give you everything you need. You'll lead a peaceful life. Mark 6, 45 to 46. It says, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. He was preaching to the big crowd. Send them, on the, send them on the boat to the other side. Well, he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Here we go again. He's going back up the mountain to pray again. He's going back up the mountain to pray again. Jesus was the model of the way that we should live. If Jesus found a place to retreat, to pray all the time, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? All the more. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a tenth of the man. I'm not a hundredth of the man that Jesus was. Jesus was the only man who lived and never sinned, and he prayed all the time. I'm, I'm a far weaker version of Jesus. I need to be praying ten times as much as he did. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray. Here we go again. I mean, there's just no shortage of this. And he continued all night in prayer to God. All night. When was the last time you pulled an all-nighter to pray? It's been a while. I can't remember the last time. You know, the, okay, the last time I pulled an all-nighter to pray was when I was in pain and I couldn't sleep. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal me. That's not what we're talking about, right? That's, those are our all-nighters. Jesus spent ridiculous amounts of time in prayer. And we think we're going to make a buy in five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, praying in the car. And I don't want this to become, as I said before, I don't want this to become about just another thing to do. You, you want to do this. Psalm 27, verse 4, says this. It says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that shall I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple in times of trouble. For he shall hide me in his tabernacle. He shall set me high upon the rock, and then I shall be lifted up. Yeah, come on. Here's David, King David. King, we're talking, man, the book's coming. This book's about King David. It was, a, it was King David of whom, whom it was said, he is a man after my own heart. And what did King David say? Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired. One thing. There's one, there's one thing in my heart that I want. I don't want to be king. I don't want a million dollars. I don't want a, a brand new house or, or fancy chariot or really fast horses or any of this stuff. I don't want any of that. One thing have I desired. There's one desire in my heart. One thing have I desired, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. I just want to be in the presence of God. And you don't have to be here at church to do that. Your secret place is going to be far better than anything you could ever get here. What happens when you come and you hear me speak? This is what happens. This is what happens. I've read the word. I've been in my secret place. I've read the word. God's revealed stuff to me. And I read it. And I read it. And God reveals something to me. And I'm like, oh, that's so good. And I write it down. 
And I write it down, and I write it down, and I write it down, and I've got notes and notes and notes and notes. And I've got notes in my Bible, and I've got all these notes. And so now I prepare a message, and I go and like, Psalm 139, verse 5. And so I, 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 I work, and I get that, and then I, I give you guys some regurgitated food. to me through his word when God taught me what it means come on when God taught me what it means to consider it pure joy when you come into various trials oh baby that's the filet mignon that's the fresh cut of beef that's the fresh bread from heaven come on I'll never forget that listen you can you can whatever I'll never forget that I will 10,000 years times 10,000 years I'm going to stand in heaven I'm like God Consider pure joy when you come to various trials. There's no more trials here in heaven. Praise God. That was so good. That was so good. That was so good. And it was exactly what I needed in the moment. Or you, you, or you can come and get some regurgitated food. I'll give it to you. I'm, I'm willing to feed you. But it says that shepherds should feed. You will never be satisfied until you learn to feed yourself. You will, come on, you will never be satisfied until you learn to feed yourself. You will never have a good meal until you learn to cook for yourself. This isn't true in the natural. My wife cooks amazing food and I'm happy to eat it. But we're talking about the word. You will never be in love with the word. Let me read something out of Psalm I love it. I love it. I eat it. And I 
It's my meditation all the time. But, you know, I have, a, I have a bit of a harder time reading what David read. Because David didn't have everything we've got. Right. David didn't have all of this. Yeah. He had this. He had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's it. That's it. That's it. Done. Torah. Done. Done. That's what he had. I'm not going to read it. I'll quote a couple of things. If your neighbor's ox falls into a pit, you need to pay it back. Oh, how I love you, Law! stuff in, in some of those the laws. It's nasty stuff. And David's like, oh, oh, God, that's good. And we've got, and we've got, oh, come on, come on, and we've got that you might know the height and width and breadth and depth of the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now that's an exciting scripture. David was in love, in love with some of the most boring books in the Bible. <laughs> and we've been given the jewel of Jesus Christ. Hebrews says, all of these had died in faith, not receiving the promise, for God did not want to have perfected them apart from us. We've got the Messiah. We get the goods. We've got the good news. We've got the hope of glory. We're the living word on the page. I'm sorry to we talk about prayer kind of got all out of the word, but this is where we're at. God wants, God wants you to fall in love with him all over again. It's not about, it's not about have to read the word. It's not about have to read the word. Please, please stop putting into this book into the book of have to. Put this into the book of want to. Put this into the put this into the column of want to. I want to. I eagerly want to. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Come on. Jesus, my, my, my heart breaks for, for your word at all times. Listen, I'm gonna, I want to pray for everybody. Before we even receive the offering, I want to pray for everybody. Can we have the worship team come up? When you've been touched with the love of God, if you've never... If you, 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 some of you are saying, man, he gets awfully excited about this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's going to get worse. Because God's got me reading more and more. And so I'm discovering more and more who Jesus is. Right? And so every time I open this book, God's saying, God's saying, There's not a time where I go where God doesn't come over and say, hey, do a nice job. Do a nice job. You know, he might say, hey, you can do this better. He 
does that from time to time. He puts his finger on something. But every time, that's what that's where the word that's where the word leads. It's not about memorizing scripture. Although I've memorized hymns of scripture. It's not about reading chapters, although I read chapters. It's just that those are those things are an end to the means of me coming to know Jesus. Coming to know Jesus better. Why does God want us in his word? God wants us in his word because he wants, he wants, he wants so badly for you to know and him to know you. One of the most tragic, one of the most tragic verses in all the scriptures. For many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, in your name, cast out demons, and in your name perform any miracles. And I will say to them, listen to this, I never knew you. The all-knowing God. God who knows everything will say, I never knew you. That, that, just, that, is, that, is that just breaks my heart to know that the all-knowing God all-knowing right so we're getting into theological trap here it's true how does that work sometimes you hold things in history you believe if, if everything was explained would take no faith mystery leads to your faith. Grow our faith. Get, get a hold of a little bit more of the mystery of God, and then just hold it in your hands and don't look for an answer. Faith. <coughs> I think I've got one more scripture. Stand your feet. I want to pray. Undone before God, that your prayer life would go to the next level. That I pray right now, Father, right now, lift your hands. Father, I pray right now that they would have such, every person here would have such a desire to read your word that it would be silly. God, I pray for every person here, God, that they would find their secret place with you. God, that they would want, God, that it would be the joy of their life, God, that it would be the place where they long to go the most, God, that there would be no thing in this earth that would hold a desire over them more than your secret place, more than being in prayer with you. that you would put this deep passion in our hearts to 